Hey guys, this is Blue July. Welcome to season two of the Be Someone podcast by Chris Ortiz. Float around, float around, I float around in clouds of gray. Lurking in the shadows, I don't think I'm coming home today. Alright, Houston, go out there and be that someone. Welcome, everyone, to the Be Someone podcast. And on this episode, we sit and chat with Coach Lyle. Coach Lyle is one of the world's most respected coaches when it comes to the art of hitting. He has coached at every level of ball imaginable, starting at youth to high school, to collegiate, and into the professional ranks. On this episode, me and Coach, we talk you know, youth development. We talk what a parent should and shouldn't say on a car ride home. And just what is it that collegiate coaches are looking for for players at the next level. So if you could, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Be Someone podcast with the Coach Chris Ortiz and Coach Lyle from The Hitting Ball. Take care and have a blessed day and go out and be that someone. Hey, we would like to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, the Molina team, Manuel Molina for all your residential and commercial property needs. Holler at the Molina team at 281-507-6923, or you can find them online at themolinateam.com. The Fast Pitch Barn, changing the way that you play softball. It is a softball-only training facility that's going to fulfill all of your softball needs, hitting, fielding, pitching, speed, and agility. It's your one-stop shop. You can locate them at thefastpitchbarn.net or 936-536-4075, the Fast Pitch Barn. Chris H. Warren, Comprehensive Family Law and Juvenile Law Representation serving the Woodlands, Conroe, and Greater Houston area. You can get a hold of them at thewoodlandstexaslawyer.com or 832-326-2932. That's Chris H. Warren, Comprehensive Family Law and Juvenile Law Representation. Uh, TNT Meat Market, the all-natural specialty grocer, uh, serving Montgomery, Walker, and Harris County. If you're looking for pork, beef, chicken, lamb, and heck, they even sell deer stands, you want to look up TNT Meat Market. You can find them at tntmeatmarket.com. Last but not least, our friends over at NH Athletics, North Houston Athletics, uh, designs and produces custom apparel for athletic programs, groups, schools, corporations, and the individual You can locate them at nhathletics.com or 281-825-8617. Thank you for supporting the Be Someone podcast. Take care, have a blessed day, and go out and be that someone. There we go. Hey, uh, welcome to the Be Someone podcast. This is the coach Chris Ortiz uh, sitting down with the coach, Matt Lyle. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, I just wanted to uh, give you a big thank you, you know, for carving out a piece of your day, you know, and uh, sharing some of your 
guide, guidance and uh, wisdom, you know, with me and my audience, um, you know, you're very, um, very big in the coaching world. You know, you've done a lot of things. You've worked with a lot of people. And uh, I think this is just a, a great opportunity just to, just to dig inside the mind of, you know, someone that's highly respected in the field. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get into your background. Uh, tell me, I'm a teacher. I'm very curious, you know, what kind of kid were you? Uh, you know, I was the oldest of seven kids, uh, and so I, I was pretty prototypical oldest kid, you know, bullying your younger siblings, and uh, but also in the sense of, you know, I, I carried a lot of responsibility as a kid. I did, I babysat my, all my siblings a lot with my kid, uh, parents, so I was given a lot of responsibility really early on, uh, just having a lot of younger siblings and a lot of babysitting and taking care of them, and so, you know, but I would tell you, I, I was... I was a, uh, I was a tough kid. I'm uh, my, and my kids are paying me back a little bit for that, but you know, I, I was, uh, I got in trouble a lot and I, I was, I was, I was a kid who, um, you know, probably, uh, I said caused a lot of my self-inflicted wounds as a kid and, uh, and stuff. But, you know, I also, on the other hand was a kid who, I loved sports so much and I, I love baseball so much that, you know, I would buy scorebooks at five years old, like, and I would keep score, like it's very technical. I would watch a baseball game with a scorebook and I would, you know, I, 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 every day at three o'clock when the kids got home from school, I went out to the court and we played, you know, flag from tack, you know, two hand touch football to roller hockey to, you know, you name it. It was until, until the lights went down, my childhood was filled with wiffle ball and football. And, and uh, so I, I lived a very charmed life in the sense of neighborhood kids getting together and, and playing sports every day. And, and I, I was a very fortunate that I got to have the American teenage dream. I got to play four sports in high school. I was a captain, uh, you know, I dated cheerleaders and I got to me the, you know, I had a really great time as a high schooler where a lot of kids, you know, have different experiences. My time was the most fun years of my life in the sense of, you know, being, being a football captain, baseball and cheerleaders and just that whole high school experience that I think uh, people read about or talk about. I got to have that. So despite, you know, I grew up in a probably a lower ish income family with seven kids. And there was a lot of difficulty in that I shared room with one or two siblings until I was 18 years old so like there's just a lot of things that come into play with that so uh you know but I was also very fortunate to to you know have a great family and and to be able to uh, do a lot of things I got to do so uh it was kind of a, a mixed bag I guess you could say of a childhood yeah well you've had uh, I guess like the honor and pleasure of growing up like in uh, these these two eras you know you grew up in uh uh, we'll call it the glory days. I think we're probably around the same age. I'm 42. And yeah, I'm 44. Your childhood sounds uh, amazingly, you know, similar to mine. But then we look today, you know, at what kids are uh, facing and going through. Uh, looking at it through just the spectrum of sport, you know, which one do you think, you know, was better for our athletes? In the sense of? Well, today, you know, kids... Uh, Going outside and playing so oh, yeah. something that's a disappearing league ball. Yeah. Something that we grew up on was a uh, yep. big time. It's gone almost. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, the best word I can find, I can find is I mourn for. You know, I have five kids, and my oldest uh, son right now, uh, he's a senior in high school, and I look at my younger kids and. 
you know, they, they haven't, they haven't played with any neighborhood kids or very few in their whole life. And they, they didn't experience that. And I think this year, now the generation of kids with organized sports to, to the extreme that it is, even my own kids, uh, that like, that just doesn't happen very often. And I think looking back, you know, I, I did play organized basketball, football, baseball, uh, all the things, uh, it was just, but you know, it was, it was just, we still got together and played every day. And my kids don't experience that in any way. And, and I know that there are pockets of America that still happens. It's just not as prevalent as it was when you and I were growing up and neighborhood kids getting together and playing basketball and, and all the things that we did. It just doesn't really exist very often in very many places in, uh, in the world. And I honestly, I just feel bad for our kids that, that they don't get to experience that because I think a lot of the life lessons that we learned as kids and the uh, when I think about wiffle ball and all the competitive things we did, you know, we self, we self refereed, we, we, you know, we dealt with bullies and, and all, we dealt with, and we dealt with it right there, then and there. <laughs> and there were no parents around to referee or umpire or tell us what to do. We were just kids. And uh, I think, I think a lot of our kids are missing out on that uh, experience a lot uh, for sure. All right. So from a developmental standpoint, what things like what are the three big things you think that uh, kids are missing because of that unstructured play? I just think I, I think we're taking we, we take away some of the creativity uh, mm. uh, that they get to do. I think when we play when we played the game out front, we played t- tag, you know, two hand touch football or play. You know, we made up the rules. We argued about them. We we found ways to get creative. Oh, this is the new rule. And, and now we just tell kids, you know, this is the time you have practice. This is the time it ends. This is what you're going to do. This is how you swing. This is how you shoot the ball. You know, we didn't have that type of teaching then. And I, there, there's an advantage to these kids they, that some of them are really getting like some really good teaching and, and development. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, that we're taking away a lot of their critical thinking, yeah. uh, their creativity of it. We're, we're, we've turned a lot of kids into robots in the sense of uh, we taken away a lot of their decision making process. And so, you know, I've coached division one in different levels of college for several years now. We're getting a, we've been getting a lot of kids who have gotten to the, that level and they still don't know the game very well. Uh, they, they haven't been taught a lot. They, they, the version that they have learned is a very showcasey showcase your skills, um, world and the, the world of competing, winning decision-making problem solving all they, they, they're not doing those things anymore because their parents are doing it for them or they're, we're creating these kind of safe bubbles for them to operate in. And so they get to college and they get hit by a ton of bricks because they don't know how to do some of the things that we, that as coaches, we take for granted like oh i assumed you knew how to do this and they don't be and because they some there were a lot of things they didn't they weren't taught uh so you know there's definitely some some challenges there yeah well you've coached at multiple different levels i want to say that you've coached at every different level imaginable uh what are some of the like uh what are some of the differences that you see like at the junior high level what should parents be focused on at the high school level what should they transition to you know moving into college well i think you know there's a stat that says 70 percent of all kids quit uh the sport by the age of 13 and if you look at it only uh in that context and most people experts would say it's because you know, the parents are nightmares at that age. And, and there's a lot, you know, they, they lose the fun, they, lo- they lose the love. But what's really happening, if you've been around junior hires, mm. uh, is that 
uh, around that time, like they're, you know, my fourth grade son right now, we, I made a joke about uh, some girls and he's like, ew. And I'm like, you know, it's going to change junior, junior high-ish around that time. And so junior hires in general, like they quit. Yeah. The big reason I think they quit is because parents make the experience not very fun, but like some of the kids realize, Hey, you know what? I'm really not that good at this sport. or I, I'm, I don't want to do what it takes to move on. I have other interests. Now I like other things, other people, relationships. There's other things I invest in. I think they grow into these people that say, you know what? I don't want to do this. So I think at the junior high level, uh, if I'm a parent, I'm an athlete, I'm trying to create this environment for them to thrive. And I want them to, to enjoy the sport the best they can so that if I think that they can play at the next level, which is high school, I'm going to make that experience as good as possible so that they want to go into the next level. They, they still may not, you know, they may be a sports person. You know what? I really like singing. I want to go into this. I want, I want to go into that. Uh, and that's okay. But let's give them the option to do that. Whereas if yeah. I'm a parent of a junior hire, I'm just hammering them. You got to do this. And you, you make the experience of uh, athletics, not fun. Then, you know, you've, you've kind of eliminated that option for them as they get older. So let's create, let's just create an environment of fun of life lessons so that they want to continue to, you know, keep playing. Uh, and I think that's kind of the goal of junior high is like trying to get, trying to just help them navigate this fun thing that they've, thought was really fun for all these years let's keep it being fun let's keep it being something they want to do and uh it be okay with it if they don't like hey you want to you want to get into this thing and my rule for my kids is you just have to be about something like you got to be about something you got to it can't be you know video games uh so <laughs> you know for me and then from high school level the same thing it's got to be hey let's make this the best experience possible and then the conversations i have with my kids a lot is what do you want and there's this accountability piece that comes into play that if a kid says, dad, I want to play in college or I, or I want to play in the pros. And in my experience, I luckily I've been, I've been at those levels as a coach. I can say to them, okay, I hear you saying that here's what it's going to take to do that. And I'm going to hold you accountable to that. And it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be demanding. It's going to be very hard. You're going to probably want to quit at some point. It's going to be tough. So I will help you do that. But in any point in the journey, if you say, hey, dad, you know what? I was wrong. I don't, I'm not willing to do those things. Okay, that's fine. And I'll, and I, and I will change my approach to you that way too. And say, you know, I just want it to be fun. I want a great experience. I want to play with my friends. Uh, those are the things I want to do. Cool. If that's what you want to do, uh, then let's, then I'll encourage you in that. But if a kid is going to say, this is what I want as a parent, my goal is to help them, you know, do that thing. And, and I'm going to keep them accountable to that and say, Hey, dad, I want to make it to the varsity. Okay. Well, this is what it's going to take. I'm going to push you to, you know, I'm going to help you in that uh, area. And I think as parents, I think a lot of parents skip the, skip the entire conversation. Like, what do you want? What are your goals? What do you hope to do? And they just go to, they just assume, well, I want this for my kid and, and I want that. So, you know, I think, um, you know, I think parents need to really sit down and talk to the kids. What do you really want? And they, they, most kids will say, I want to play in college. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to tell you what it takes to, to you know, what, what that takes to do that. You're up early, you're working late. There's, there's a lot of hours involved. Do you still want to do that? Okay. You're saying yes. Okay. Then let's have a plan versus if a kid says, Hey dad, you know what? I just, I like playing the sport, but you know, I don't know if I want to do it forever or whatever the thing is as parents, I think we got to do a better job. Uh, of talking to them and figuring out what is it they really want to do. 
Oh, that was an excellent answer. Uh, something else too, that I'd like to ask is, uh, you know, you've coached at, you know, every level uh, of collegiate baseball and softball. Uh, what is it exactly for those kids that do want to play college ball? What is it that y'all are looking for? Because I think a lot of kids are misguided and they're hung up on stats and wins and losses and they totally forget the, you know, how is it that I'm running on and off the field? How is it that I'm interacting with my coaches and my parents? You could. Yeah, so I, I probably give pretty contradictory uh, or contradictory advice on this to the rest of the pack of college coaches uh, a little bit. But at the end of the day, and I, I, I have to be just really honest, at the end of the day, talent is what it is. Like the actual skill set, how good you are as a, an athlete, at the, that is the, that, that is the, the truth. If you are a five-star athlete um, that, you know, uh, in your sport and you're one of the best players in the country or best in the, in the state, like those are the things that are going to get you noticed and get you going on. Now, I, I, to me, when I, when kids ask me at a, at a camp, like, Hey coach, you know, how do I stand out? The, the, the truth of the matter is at the highest levels and at the, with the best coaches and best programs, attitude effort how you run off on the field how you how are you how you're a teammate those to me are the bare minimum things like those are those are things that you absolutely have to do bottom line so to me if you're not doing those things you're already off the board and and, and so for me um as much as coaches want to say to high school athletes, Hey, it's all about your attitude, effort, how you treat people. I, I totally agree with those things, but at the end of the day, college coaches who make a living and are getting fired and providing for their family, they are looking for the best players. They're looking for the best athletes. They also need to have good people who are doing these things, but they go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive things. And so for me, um, the attitude, the effort, the hustle, all of these things, that that's that's like the bare bare minimum at this to, in order to go to the next level. You have to do those things. If you don't do those things, like it doesn't it doesn't really matter uh, how what. So for me, I tell kids, at the end of the day, you have to work on your skill. You could have you could be the hardest working, best effort, best teammate kid on the planet. That doesn't mean you're going to be playing Division One uh, of of your sport. Now I think there's a place for you. At, there's so many different levels, and that's awesome. But at the end of the day you have to actually be good at what you do and you have to be really good. Uh, you know, I think the stat is 7% of high school athletes play in college. I mean, and 2% get scholarships. I mean, if, if you look at your high school and there's a hundred athletes, you're talking about two in the entire school. Are you one of the two best athletes in the school uh, or in the, in the, in the league or conference? And so, you know, I, I think uh, when it comes to high school kids, I tell them, yeah, you've got to have good effort. You got to be a good teammate, but you have to work on your craft. You have to get better. You have to whatever. If you're a basketball player, like you've get, and you got to find out what you're good at, and you've got to get you've got to get really good at what you do. Oh, that's a it's a great response right there. Uh, what about your view on multi-sport athletes? Because I see a lot of kids uh, kind of get funneled into uh, you know a certain direction. You know, me as a basketball coach, it's usually one of the uh, the things that our girls come to you know later. Uh, but yep. I see so many benefits um, in playing multiple sports. I know like Cal Ripken was a big proponent of uh, playing basketball, you know, and he had some of the sweetest hands and best feet in the game. So if you could speak on that. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing is that I, I played four sports in high school. I, I did baseball, basketball, football, and track. And I, 
I would never trade that in a million years. Having said that, the 90s to 2022, it's just a whole different world. So when you hear the stories about um, multiple sport athletes that are, that are professional athletes now, those people are freaks of nature. They, those athletes are incredible athletes. And you hear, you hear stories of like, oh, he didn't play this sport until college, or he didn't pick up, you know, he didn't play baseball until a sophomore year of high school. I'm telling you, I've been around professional athletes. Those athletes are uh, freaks of nature. They are, uh, <laughs> that's the only way I can explain it. They, these athletes are so incredibly talented that they, they're going to be good at whatever they do naturally. And those athletes are one in a million. Now, having said that, it just depends on what that kid really wants their experience to be like. So, for example, if I, let's say I'm a basketball player. And I've been playing these different sports and softball or whatever the thing is. And I get to high school, you can st still do all those sports and, and do everything. But just so you know, a lot of other kids who are specializing in that sport at that age, as a freshman in high school, sophomore in high school, they're spending the 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, getting better at that crap. Those kids are accelerating past 99% of those multi-sport athletes. It's, that's just the reality of, of that. And the multi-sport athletes who are moving on to the next levels are athletes who are already incredible, incredible athletes. So I think parents and, and, and high schoolers have to uh, be realistic about what they really want. And it, I, it's hard to say, I want to be a division one uh, college basketball player and also say, but I also want to play basketball. I mean, I also want to play soccer. I also want to play softball, whatever the thing is. It is very challenging for that person unless they are, like I said, an incredible athlete. It, because you, the way the athletes train nowadays and strength, strength and conditioning to the year round, the AAU and summer ball and all that stuff. If you're missing out on those components, I mean, you can still move up, but it is, it is much more difficult a thing. So I, I tell parents, like, let your kid special, let your kid do as, as much as he wants. And then when we get to about the high school level, we got to start having a conversation like, hey, you can play these multiple sports and it's going to be fun. And, I, and I, that's great. But uh, it, and that and I encourage a lot of people to do that. But again, if I have a conversation with my daughter and she's a freshman and she says, dad, I'm, I'm, I like playing softball. I like all these play sports, but I really want to play division one college basketball. I really, really want to do that. I'm going to say to her, Hey, I hear that. I, you might want to look, we might want to consider, you know, letting those other sports go if that's really what your dream is. Cause that's the, the amount of work, dedication and process it's going to take for you to get there. Uh, and thanks to the engine of travel ball and the parents and all the money and everything that has happened in the last 20 years, uh, development is happening at such an insane level that in order to, to keep up with those athletes and to move to that next level, athletes are, have to specialize, uh, more often. And it's, it's, it's sad and, uh, disappointing in a lot of ways, but that's just kind of the nature of where we are now. Oh, yeah. Uh, what about like the role of like club ball versus school ball? Because I also see like uh, I've been in coaching for 17 years. Yeah. And I'm slowly seeing like a club ball, almost a Trump school ball. And I know that if you are in on a travel team, you know, the chances of getting seen are much better. Like there's yep. just more talent, you know, pulled together in one spot. But there's something to be said about the experience of school ball. And there are still positives, you know, that could uh, yep be gained from playing you know at your uh, home school yeah so for me like I'll, I'll tell you like some of the best memories i've ever had as a kid 
is, you know, winning a section championship in basketball and the crowd running onto the court and Friday night football games, like playing in front of your community, your parents, your friends, your family, uh, all your other classmates, that, that experience uh, is worth, I mean, all the memories you have, you know, for the next 50 years. And, and so I absolutely hate the idea of travel ball replacing uh, school ball because I said there's, just so, there's so many uh, things that, that kids miss out on if they do that. Uh, but I, I also get it. Like I, especially if you're at a high school where the coach is terrible, the program's terrible. And you're like, you know what? I can train with my travel ball program during this time. So it's, it's, it's tough. I would just, I would, I would encourage parents to understand that i uh, say for, I'll give an example of uh, girls softball or baseball. It's a spring sport. Uh, you know, you, you're right. You're, maybe your coach isn't great. Maybe the program isn't great. And maybe in that few months, you're not going to get the full development experience that you would get. But as long as in the summer and in that off season, you're, you know, you, you are with a good travel ball program, you're doing the right things. I think they can, can coexist really well. I understand the parents or kids who say, you know what, I'm going to do the travel ball thing full time and not play on my team. Uh, I just think some of the experiences and memories of that uh, they really miss out on. Uh, and I, I hope that, you know, the school ball stuff doesn't go away. And I, I, you know, I can see that happening. It's, it's really sad, but at the same time, I think, the value of, of the community aspect and playing with your team, your classmates and the friendships and all of those things. Uh, they're, they're not really measurable, I think, uh, from the outside, if you're not into it. Uh, so I, I really hope that school ball survives. I, I hope that parents don't choose, choose uh, travel over their high school team. And I think as long as they understand that, like, it's not going to be the end of the world if you, those three months that you're playing with your high school team, you know, that maybe you don't have the best program or best coaching, uh, it's not going to ruin your chances um, to make it to the next level. Well, yeah, and I live in a world where they can both coexist. Yes. I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive, you know, like you were saying earlier. Um, what are some uh, little words of advice for parents when it comes to, like, recognizing burnout? Because again, with our high-end athletes, I, I live in the Woodlands, Texas. It's a little bubble here, you know, next yep. to Houston. Uh, we put out a lot of good athletes, but uh, the burnout that I see, like very rarely is the best player in the eighth grade, you know, where I'm at, still the best player by the time they get, you know, through high school. In fact, very rarely are they still playing. Yeah, I, well, for whatever reason, I, and I look back at my parents too, uh, you know, I never, I never had conversations with them. Like I wish that we, you know, I, I didn't have an issue with burnout, but what I think from a parent standpoint, I just don't think they talk to their kids enough. Like, I, I think we push them, push them, push them, push them. And the, then all of a sudden uh, a red flag comes up of, you know, attitude or I want to quit or all these things. And I feel like sometimes parents are kind of taken by surprise uh, from it. I think that as parents, uh, my best advice is to make sure that anything that happens in this sport from a forward moving standpoint has to be athlete driven. Now, I think we can encourage it. I think we can do a really good job of creating an environment that they want to uh, be driven. But what happens to me, burnout is the result of parents driving the car and dragging or the cart and dragging the kid behind it. And at some point, the kid gonna say i'm sick of being dragged behind this thing i want off i want off this train so uh, i think parents uh if i have those kids and and for me it's like sometimes they just need a break from the sport they they, they need a break from it but i think uh 
you've got to check in with your kids. Like, Hey, you know, buddy, how are you liking this? What do you think about this? And if they say, Hey, you know, mom, I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not struggling with this or, and a lot of times what it comes down to is like, Hey, there's a player on the team that's bullying them or there's a coach they're just not connecting well with that's they're associating. You know what? I don't really like the sport anymore. And, but if I actually have a really good conversation with my kid, maybe I can find out that that is the reason that they don't like, especially if you're a kid is like, you know, they love the sport. They love it. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I don't really know if I want to do this anymore. It's like, okay, you know, that that's, this is news to me. This is different. What, what is the, you know, what's causing this? And, Honestly, 99% of the time, I think it's parents. And I think they're not willing to, to look at that uh, and take self-inventory of like, hey, maybe I'm the one that's uh, driving this train uh, off the rails. Um, but I think my best advice to parents is throughout the process, hey, is this still fun? Is this still what you want to do? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about signing you up for this team or this camp. You know, do you do you want to do that? And like just continue to make sure that it's the kids are wanting to do that. And I think that the difference, uh, parents, I, I get a lot of uh, criticism from parents like, well, you know, if we just let the kids do it, they're not going to choose to do this or that. And uh, I'm not saying you can't push your kids and, and demand things. I just think that we as parents, we set the goals and expectations, and then we tell the kids to do those things. We never ask the kids, what are your goals? Yeah. Uh, and so that if, it, like I said, kind of circling back, if a kid says to me in junior high, dad, I really want to play in college, or I won't really want to make the varsity team, or, you know, I, my dream is to be a professional player. When they say that, I can, then we can have the conversation. Okay, buddy. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, just so you know, like, man, the, those players, they get up early in the morning and they hit off the tee at 7 a.m. before school or after school. They're doing a lot of work by themselves. They're, they're, they're doing all of these, these things to get better. Are you willing to do those things? Yeah, dad, I am. Okay. So when they give you permission to push, uh, you can. And sometimes they'll say, hey, dad, this is too hard. And now the conversation is like, you know, well, it's not too hard. It, it, it is hard. I will help you push through this. But there's a big difference between, you know, forcing our kids to do something that they really don't want to do versus helping them push through. And, you know, as a parent, that's that's the, the fun and the difficulty of parenting is trying to navigate, like, what is that like? What is the best for my kid? And, um, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's definitely a, it's definitely a tough uh, uh, thing to navigate for sure. Well, I definitely think it's also uh, like knowing your kid too. You know, we, uh, as a coach of over 17 years, like there's some kids that they're just hunting dogs, you know, and doing all those things, it's, Hey, let's go do it. You know? And then you got some other kiddos that, uh, you know, not so much, you know, and knowing if you have a hunting dog uh, or not, because I don't think you can create a hunting dog. I think a hunting dog, you know, is, just comes out the womb and yeah. something different. Yep. And I think you can, I think you can, like I said, I think you could, you can do a really good job of creating the environment for them to, uh, to succeed in that thing. But it's, again, at the end of the day, it's, it's them. Like it, it has to be driven by them. It has to be them. And then parents have to be okay with, you know, um, in high school, I, I kind of, I, I sang growing up, uh, like in the church, and I and I sang an advanced choir in high school with the bow tie. I was Hamlet uh, in a play. I mean, I, I got the full high school experience, uh, if, you know, <laughs> from the athleticism to. And for me, 
you know, I, I still, sports was still, you know, I loved much more than those things, but if my son or daughter was an athlete and they got to high school and say, hey, dad, you know what, I really like singing or music or what, you know, something else to me, I would say, Hey, that's awesome. If that's what you want to do, I'll support you in that. I think parents nowadays, they get so heartbroken by their, their dream of their kid being a division one athlete that they can't handle that. And they, and so they make the high school experience so much different of trying to fight it and push it. And I think, um, you know, if there's any advice to give to high school parents who maybe are dealing with that, like, you've got to let it go. You got to let go your dreams and find a way to support your kids' dreams. And uh, for a lot of adults, that's really difficult. I say, I know you live in Texas and, uh, uh California is very similar too, but you know, I, I've watched that show, uh, Friday night tykes. Oh. I've spent a lot of time in Texas and it's like, you know, I, I see, I've seen a lot of parents living through their kids and they're what the parents goals and expectations dream, and dreams are. And they don't always align with the kids uh, dreams and parents have at some point have to figure that out and they, they've got to let go of those things. And it's, it's, it can be really hard for people. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about like one of the things that we did not have to grow up with, but you know, unfortunately, our kids are, are are going through, and that's social media. Like, how do we teach our young people to leverage it for good, and then like, what things should they be staying away from? Yes, I mean, first of all, thank God there was not social media when I was in high school. <laughs> right. uh, I can't imagine just the stupid stuff I would have said and done, and and so I'm thankful for that. Uh, you know. I did, I did a training a couple of years ago, the SEC, I was coaching in South Carolina, sent us to this training talking about youth and social media. And the thing that really stood out to me the most about this generation versus ours is that when we were kids and growing up, if we wanted information, we, we didn't, we didn't have an answer. We would go to our parents, you know, maybe the encyclopedia or something like that. But if, if you want to know, Hey, you know, maybe we learned it from our friends, but you know, for the most part, if we needed to find something, in 2022, our kids, they don't need us for any answers whatsoever. They can go to Google, social media, YouTube. They do not need us to answer any questions. Now, I think if you have a good relationship with your kids, that changes. But I think in general, our kids have access to information and things that we, and I think about like, even as a kid growing up, like the news, I never paid attention to the news. I had no idea what was going on in the world in the, in the 80s and 90s, unless it was a you know, huge, significant event. Our kids are exposed to all the stuff, the bad stuff in the world that's going on every day, all day long on their social media and their feeds and in the world from their parents. And so we've got to be really, really careful uh, with our kids. But at the same time, there's this empathy piece that comes into play to understand how much stress, how much anxiety is created by those things and how much our kids are, are doing it. And I can tell you, you know, some, some of my older kids have battled, have battled some of the anxiety and stress that have gone on with social media and the things that kids say to each other on there. I mean, I, I've seen stuff just like, I cannot believe the hurtful things that these teen, teenagers can say to each other publicly on social media. And, um, I think parents just have to be really, really tuned into what they're doing, what they're, what, what they're receiving, what they're, what they're being exposed to. Uh, and I think kids uh, just have to have, we just have to have better conversations with them, understanding that how you utilize these tools, uh, you know, the world could see these things. And five years from now, you, 
you're, you are going to regret, you might regret saying some of the things that you say. So you just have to be really careful about how you use it and then tell them, but the, on the same side of the coin, they can use it to their benefit if they are doing the right things on there. And if they, you know, from a marketing standpoint of trying to make it to the next level, you know, as a college coach, uh, and I know a lot of other college coach friends, uh, you know, we're, we are able to see kids way more because of social media. So it, again, it can be used if done well. Uh, it can also expose a lot of kids who don't use it well. And so my best advice for parents who uh, in the world of social media, if you have kids in there, is you, you got to keep a really close eye on it. And you got to be really, you got to be talking about it. You've got to be engaging on it. You got to be keep an eye on it because parents who really dig into their kids' you know, like I said, Instagram, and these different things, you're going to see conversations <laughs> that, uh, and it's not even about the inappropriateness, you know, teenagers, we, you know, teenagers, we, we do teenager stuff, be teenagers, teenagers. but at the same time, again, like I have seen really, really hurtful personal things said to one another on these platforms that back in the day, maybe we say in the locker room and it kind of gets physical, these, these things, but like when you put it out there and the whole school and this whole can see these things, it's like, and I, I especially females, like I said, I have a couple of daughters, not that they are more sensitive to that, but I've experienced and seen like uh, a lot of female uh, athletes who are bullied by, you know, very immature boys online and and the the effect that they it has on them from anxiety and stress uh you know it's a it's a scary place and i think parents just have to be really um aware of what's going on there and i think as parents we like to think oh yeah i know my kid i know what they're doing uh but we don't not all we the don't. time we don't and so you got you've got to be really conscious of what's going on there and making sure that they're putting their best uh, self uh forward to the world yeah, I only got a couple of more questions. I know that, uh, you know, you're a busy man and your time's very valuable and I really appreciate, you know, you sitting down with us. But one thing I'm uh, just kind of wanted to know is like, what is your personal coaching philosophy? Um, that's a good question. I, I think uh, if there was something that I could to point to, uh, to me, my coaching philosophy is um, relationship-driven uh impact driven in the sense that when parents hand me over or entrust me with their son or daughter and in, in coaching, I want to tell, I want to make, make good on the promise of two things. I am going to develop them as a better person. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on person development. And when they, when they leave my time, they're going to walk away saying I became a better person in my time with coach Lyle. And on the other side, I'm going to be, athlete skill development wise and when they leave my time again they were a better athlete a better player when they left me and so to me my philosophy around that is i think i get the best out of my athletes when i've developed trust and relational equity uh, with my athletes so that when i tell them you need to do x y or z or when i push them beyond what they think they're capable of doing they trust me when I say, I know you've never done this before. I know this is really hard, but I promise you, you can do it. And I'm going to push you to do this thing you've never done before and is really, really hard. Uh, and uh, they are going to, they're going to believe me and trust me because from, from the, all the time up to that point, I invested in them. I built a trust in them so that when I asked them to leap, 
they, you know, over, over a big uh, ravine over the other side of this mountain, they're saying, okay, coach Lyle, I trust him. When he says this, I'm going to do it. Uh, versus, you know, not having that relationship and trust. I think, you go, okay, well, maybe I can do it. I don't know. And so I think you get the best from your athletes uh, by investing in relationship and impact in their lives. And again, I, the promise that I make every parent is that when you give me your kid to work with and maybe have her four years, two years, one year is going to be at the end of the day, they're going to be better people and better athletes. And I think if we just focus on those two things, to me, I've been fortunate enough that when I focus on those things, I also get a lot of wins and a lot of success. And so uh, if we frame it around that, I think we do pretty well. Excellent. Last thing then, um, what are what couple of pieces of advice for parents when it comes to uh, being in the stands and then the uh, car ride home? Because uh, I think those are two places where I think we lose a lot of athletes. I think, you know, over, uh, <laughs> over-engaged parents in the stands and then once the kids yeah. get in the, in the car and that door shuts, oh, hell. Yeah. So here are my rules for the stands. Number one, never shout instruction ever. Uh, I don't care what level it is. Uh, I, I even tell my, my son in T-ball, my wife still, uh, she's trying to help him from this. Just let it go. Just the, let the coaches be the coaches. So zero instruction uh, at all from the, from the bleachers. Number two, everything out of your mouth uh, from the bleachers needs to be positive. Uh, the, the, Say, keep the, uh, uh, my mom used to say, if you have nothing nice to say, uh, don't say anything at all. Um, so keep it positive. Anything that comes out of your mouth, period. And then the third rule is don't cheer for just your kid. Uh, mm-hmm. unless it's golf or tennis, there's a lot of other athletes on that team. So don't only cheer positive things when, uh, just your kid, uh, there's nothing worse to me when I look around, I'm like, well, there's 10 players on this team and, and the parent, you know, so cheer for them as a teammate, cheer for their, their experience and not just their, you know, their moments. And then, uh, so those are my three rules of being in the bleachers. And then my rules for the ride home one, like make it kid driven. If the kid wants to talk about the game and my kid wants to talk about it and talk, you know, I'm going to listen and I'm going to talk about it, but, uh, I can have a 24 hour rule. We're not going to talk about anything for 24 hours. I, when I, my kid gets into the car, I say, I try to find a couple of positives that they did really well. Hey buddy, you, like my son played basketball this winter and he had a game where he shot like six times. He made, he didn't have any baskets and he, but he had a couple of good steals, played good defense. And we started walking the car and he said, dad, I just, I, I stink at shooting. I, I, I'm just not a good shooter. I just, I've had a terrible game. I said, hey, buddy, man, you were awesome on defense today. I thought you did play really good defense. I didn't even address the shooting thing. And then we got in the car and I said, hey, buddy, you want to go get some ice cream? Cool. We, we didn't talk, you know, we didn't talk about the game. And then the next day I said, hey, buddy, I remember you saying yesterday, like, you know, you, you, you felt like you weren't a very good shooter. You know, hey, do you want to go take, do you want to go take some shots? Let's work on that a little bit. And so, you know, finding the right time to say, okay, he said that that was important to him. Yeah. Uh, but like me breaking down and I might, I might have said something like, Hey buddy, you know, you're not a bad shooter. Maybe you just had a bad game, but I don't want to have that conversation about like what they did wrong uh, in that moment. So like you already played the game. The kid already feels bad about his performance anyway. As, as parents, I think we forget like somehow that kids, you know, in baseball, they go to bat four times, they strike out four times. And somehow we think they get to the car and it's like, ah, I had a great day. It's like the kid already feels pretty bad. They had a bad day. So we don't need to add to that. So my rules for the car are 
you know, unless the kid really wants to talk about it, I'm not saying a word. I'm going to say, Hey, I love watching you play buddy. And, I, and that's, I will always say every single time the kids probably hate when I say it now, but when we go to the, when we get to the car, I say, Hey buddy, I just really love watching you play. I'm glad that I get to come watch you play today. Like, and so I, I always leave with that. And then I was, you know, like I said, I, I like getting ice cream after the games and, or whatever the thing is. And then the next day I'll be like, okay, buddy, Hey, you know, I, I watched the game and I noticed, I noticed this and this, and you want to work on those things. And I, and I go that route. Um, you know, my dad coached me growing up and I had some really tough tr- uh, car rides home. Didn't, it didn't, I was wired. It didn't bother me. I liked, you know, I liked the, uh, the feedback. And I think again, as part of knowing your kids a little bit, but uh, I definitely can, I've recognized and seen, you know, so many as you have you know these car rides where they get braided and it's like wow i wonder why the kids don't want to play or why you know, why does kid want to drive home with grandma or somebody else mm-hmm. uh those type of things it's like uh we can just do a better job as parents all right well you know i appreciate you stopping by do you want to uh you know drop any of your your handles or your ads where people can find you yeah, if you're if you're wanting to get to know, uh, just get to know me a little bit better, you know, I'm on I'm on all social media from LinkedIn to Twitter and Facebook and all those things at Coach Lyle. That's that, that's my handle for all those things. And uh, I have a website called thehittingvault.com, uh, where I, it's basically a master class about hitting for baseball and softball. So if you have a baseball or softball athlete and you're listening to this, check out my website thehittingvault.com. Yeah, and besides that, Chris, I just appreciate you having me on. I, I know you're you're doing a great job in, in the role that you're doing as coach and and trying to help people uh, with your podcast and sharing. And uh, you know, I, I think you're definitely providing a great value to parents out there. So you know, uh, I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate what what you're trying to do in the game as well. Oh man, well I appreciate you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And you know, maybe you know, six months a year from now, we can sit down and chat again. That'd be awesome. Thanks, man. All right, well, you take care and you have a blessed day. And thank you guys for tuning into the Be Someone podcast. Take care, have a blessed day, and go out and be that someone. We would like to send a huge shout out to our sponsors Elvis Modernaldo, personal trainer. You can reach Elvis at 832-360-4821 or his Instagram at Elvis Works, and that's works with a Z. Elvis trains out of the P45 training facility in Magnolia, and he's also a mobile trainer. So if you're looking to get in shape, get fit, holla at your boy Elvis. We got Zapman Productions, DJ, videographer, photographer. You can reach him, the Zapman, at 832-296-5265 or by email, zapmanproductions at gmail.com. You can holler at my boy, Eric Regalado, serving the Woodlands area for all your lawn care and maintenance needs. You can reach out to Eric at 346-814-6442. That's Lawn Boys and Eric Regalado. We got NS Designs for all your logos, for all your promos. You need to hit up Natalia Salivia at Natalia Salivia at gmail.com. Again, that is NS Designs. She has made lots of promotional items for colleges, for high schools. Heck, she even made my logo, so holler at NS Designs. We got Eric Ruiz Illustrations. If you are looking for an art commission, or if you're looking for a collab, Eric Ruiz is your man. 
He was also the gentleman that did the artwork for uh, my book, Dear Mama. So if uh, he's good enough for me to trust, he's good enough for anyone to trust. You're going to reach out to Eric on Instagram at eruiz underscore illustrations. And then you could also find him on TikTok at eruiz underscore illustrations. Mix, smoke, and barbecue and catering for all your barbecue needs. Holla at your boy Mick. You can contact Mick at MickSmokingBarbecue.com for catering, special occasions or whatnot. You just looking for a sandwich? Holla at your boy, Mick. And then last but not least, we got Allen Aesthetics. If you're looking to get your photography needs fulfilled, weddings, family photos, whatnot, holler at Allen Aesthetics. You're going to contact Michaela Allen at 512-828-1500. Or at allen.aesthetics at aol.com. Y'all take care, have a blessed day, and go out and be that someone. This is Blue July, and you're listening to the Be Someone podcast. Lights looking bright, the H got the vibe She's my name on the signs, it's my time to shine When I was cruising 45 and it crossed my mind That I shine like a sun and that I'll be someone Lights, camera, session, use the flow molasses Blue the line, my fashion, future brightening glasses Applause from the masses This is the Be Someone Podcast Hey everyone, welcome to season two of the Be Someone podcast with the coach Chris Ortiz. In season two, uh, we're going to go out and interview some new folks. We're going to go back and revisit some of my old friends. Either way, one thing is for certain, we're going to have some hellified conversations. We're going to have a good time and uh, just talk all things Houston sports, psychology, entrepreneurship, coaching, you know, you name it, we're going to speak about it. Uh, Something else to also keep in the back of your mind. Uh, I'm also a children's book author. I am also a educator. I'm also a coach. And you can find all of my work at coachortiz.com. It's your one-stop shop for anything that I put out. So if you could, sit back, relax, and enjoy the Be Someone podcast with none other than Coach Chris Ortiz. Take care and have a blessed day, everyone.